This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators, all with the noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to operate better in today's world. Jordan's also got a fun weekly segment, Feedback Friday, where he covers advice on everything from escaping a cult or psycho family situations to relationships and networking to even just asking for a raise. Point blank, Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny, and easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and actionable advice that can directly improve your life. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Dum Dums 2099, where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into a futuristic world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Alan, trapped in the future, has joined forces with Declan and Honor System, and they've botched their attempt to sneak into a lab owned by House Antebellum. But will Regulator uniforms be able to protect our heroes from the guards' weapons? Will Alan be forced to reveal her magical abilities? Will our heroes die because Declan's a terrible actor? Find out next on Dom Doms and Dragons 2099. I'm just going to draw my pistol and shoot the guy in front of me. Okay, roll for initiative. 15. 13. One. Ooh, that's unfortunate. Ooh, I don't know what's going on because I didn't see that hand signal. <laughs> nope. Alan, you hear the guards tell him to fuck off and that he's talking mm-hmm. too soft and everything else. And you can see them. They're starting to raise their semi-automatics. What do you do? I don't know who else is watching. I don't want to use magic. I'm just going to draw my pistol as fast as I can. Are you going to shoot someone with it or what are you doing? I'm going to see if that stops them first. And then if no one stops, then I'm going to shoot the one closest to me. I'm going to try to aim for the shoulder of the arm going for their gun. So you're raising your pistol to see if they do anything. That brings us to them. The first guy continues to raise his assault rifle and opens fire on Declan. His first shot misses, second shot hits, third shot misses. You will take four points of damage, but I'll give you one damage reduction for the armor. Cool. Which brings us to his buddy. Buddy's going to shoot at... Am I shooting Here's the way I see this going. It was a snap decision. Like, they were coming up with their finger on the trigger. It kind of drew to be like, eh? So as soon as he's done, you can take your action. Okay. Sometimes hesitation has consequence. They're going to open fire on you, Alan. One will hit... And you will take five points of damage, but with damage reduction, one for the armor. Which brings us to your ready to action. So you're shooting the one closest to you. Mm-hmm. We'll say there's the one who talked and the silent one. So you're shooting at the talky one. <laughs> Are you still aiming for his shoulder now that he's shot me and you've been shot? That's an excellent point. Thank you. No, I'm going to I'm gonna move it over to his chest, like right in the middle. Okay, go ahead. 17 to hit. Yep, that'll hit. Six damage. Traveling around with someone who makes friends with everyone. You're just used to everyone kind of laying down their arms. And then all of a sudden, a bullet digs its way through your shoulder. And with that killer instinct we know Alan has, you just change the bead from his shoulder Mm -hmm. to his heart and just blow a hole through his chest. He looks almost shocked. Maybe this is the first time he's been in combat. Who knows? And he drops to the ground dead, which brings us to honor system. I'd like to use my action for an exertion Mm -hmm. uh, skill check. I'd like to tackle the remaining guard through the door and get into the building. Sure. Go ahead. 
Seven. So you robot forward and he's like turning his rifle on you and he's like, what the fuck? And then bam, you crash through the door, you land on him. You don't do any damage, but you're over top of him. Can I roll off of him just to like clear for follow-up gunfire? Sure. Yeah. I'll let you use your movement to do Perfect. that. Perfect. Thank you. Which brings us to Declan. The door explodes forward as honor system drives the guy through it. Is there anyone else in the hallway within sight of this guy? No. From your previous observations, the damage is a few floors up. I'm going to take a couple steps forward and try to shoot that guy in the head on the ground. 19 to hit. Yep. That'll hit. Six damage. You stride forward, line up the shot and, you know, for a sniper shooting a guy on the ground, pretty easy. So you cap him in the head, his head turns to blood and ash. So flaw in the plan. Apparently I don't know what the fuck regulators talk like. Uh, we're going to do more research on the radio next time. Options for everyone. Uh, one, I go across the street, climb a building and try to shoot anybody who comes around the building. Declan, you've been hit. Correct. But we really got to focus right now because there's been open gunfire in the street. What's this place look like now that we're in here? Long corridors and an open like warehouse space? I think almost hospital. Like it, it really is basically any of the bank towers downtown. Like big lobby with kind of a security desk. There's no one there obviously because mm. it's been done for a while. Leading to elevator banks and stairs leading up into the facility itself. We should stick together. Can someone roll me a notice check? Whoever... I will because I'm not in this conversation. Great. Nine. Alan, you see a panel next to the front door similar to the one that you saw in the shopping complex. Okay. I run over and hit it. (laughs) I look over at her punching a security panel. I go, what the fuck are you doing? What is that banging sound? (laughs) Well, you've got a 50-50 chance for an interesting thing to happen, so... Rolled a six. You were lucky. You mash the keypad and it bleep bloops, but doesn't break. I sprint over and violently shove Alan away from the security <laughs> thing she's breaking. And I pull out my data slab and I immediately plug it in knowing that I've got some hacking software built in. I mean, I'm imagining I can see if there's an alarm going off and there. As soon as you plug in, you get a diagnostic scan of code. You can tell that no alarms have been triggered. The alarm is not currently active because there's workers coming and going. However, it does control the lockdown procedures for the facility. So I could lock it down, but it wouldn't trigger an alarm if I did so? Not unless you wanted to set an alarm. It's basically like security access. So in theory, anyone in the building from any of these panels can operate the main security systems of the building. Because if you're shutting down for the night, you'd need to close all the shutters. Great. I want to lock down the building, and I want to change the access code to a code only I have if it's open. Like, I want to go into the settings. Okay, roll me a fix, please. That's a double one. However, once per scene, you can re-roll a failed skill check, taking the new roll, if better. And I go, oh, shit, I just opened some porno. I close that again. I open the correct hacking program, which is called Porna, named after my favorite hacker. You always do that. It's a Freudian slip. That is a five. You see the codes run, it's just like, it's something. So you don't have access to it. No one else does. It's it's just locked out. Yep. Take the wins where you can get them. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to scoop. I guess I'll scoop both submachine guns. <laughs> Why leave them? Just you turn know? into war machine. Oh, God, no. If you're a sniper, there's no way in hell you're going to try to shoot two guns. Yeah, at once. your stabilizing yeah, yeah. arm isn't exactly great for machine yeah. gun fire. Do they have any extra mags on them or anything like that? Because I'm assuming these are traditional submachine guns. They're MB5s. So I've got, like, the mags in both and probably one extra mag each, so I can still run out of ammo. <laughs> yep. Honor system is going to drag the corpse of the guard still outside, inside, mm-hmm. just sort of out of the door frame. Immediately having scooped the guns, I'm carrying 
playing one of the SMGs, and I'm going to go right to that security panel and see if we've got any images or in any of the systems. Sorry, you mean behind the security desk? Yeah, behind the security desk. Ah, I see. Okay, no, the system is currently not active. Is there a map or anything of the building there? Depending on how finished it is, yeah. Yeah, I'd say there's a schematic you can airdrop pretty easily. I think technologies hit that point where it's a low-grade enough thing that you can just tap it on. So I'm going to take that. How many floors are on this building, Tom? It is a 20-story tall building. From the exterior damage, you can see that the fire appears to have been on floor 14. I've got the schematic. I would scan through it rapidly. Like, I'm not even talking to anybody on our system. I know what to do, so he's probably covering nearby entrances and just keeping an eye out. Alan, she already punched security, and she waited to shoot people. I'm very unimpressed with Alan right now. So I just want to know if there's like a genetics lab or any sort of laboratory in the whole thing. I'm imagining it's the 14th floor, but I'm trying to confirm. 14th floor is listed as personal storage. In terms of the genetics lab, there's a number of indications of storage. There seems to be a show floor, but for the most part, there's nothing on this schematic reads as there's a giant lab. Yeah, here. N- nothing screams like, here's what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like a video game map where you're like, oh, there's just a giant circle in the middle yeah, of this. Yeah. We got now map. The only place there's been an explosion is the 14th floor and this place should be dead. 14's got to be the place to be. Let's go. Honor system will walk up. Alan, if you were pushed so much that you fell, honor system will like give you a hand to stand up. Thank you. Gently lifts you up and says, please don't do that again. Yeah, I, I know. I've already <laughs> hit the button on an elevator because I know the building's locked down so no one can freeze us in it. And I'm just like, we got to get in the fucking elevator. Let's go. So on um, the elevator door is ding open. You all pile inside. You punch 14 and the light doesn't turn on. Oh, fucking super. All right. Time to take the stairs. There's a bunch of machinery there. You can try and hack the elevator if you want. Oh, I thought I was locked out. Okay. I, I, You're locked out of security, but you can- not the elevator. Okay, yeah, then, then yeah, I'm going to plug into the elevator. And while I'm doing this, I'm just muttering. I'm like, Alan, if you ever pull a gun again and don't <laughs> fucking shoot the person. All I told you was fucking shoot the person. Bourbon Sherbert tries to help but cannot. I do not know elevators. Seven. I run a mean escalator, though. Bourbon, I didn't even know you were here. Do you know what? I appreciate the assistance. <laughs> that is my job. So, yeah, you override it easily enough. You can see it would have been like a key fob or key card style access. The elevator doors close. I'd take a position to one side with my SMG in hand, and then I'd probably wave on our system to the other one. Yep. And then we'd leave Alan standing because she still looks like a regulator. <laughs> she looks like a regulator who's been shot, so we can get the drop on somebody yep. if we so need to. So the elevator shoots up several floors on the 14th floor, the doors don't open. Instead, the wall behind you clicks, and the uh, sort of back of the elevator shifts open. That elicits an exclamation point on Honor System's visor. Using my data slab, I would like to lock the elevator on this floor so we can come back to it. Sure, yeah, you've already hacked it, so that's fine. Great, and then I'll throw a password on it that's just like boobs, but it's spelled like 80085 just oh, so impenetrable. that... Impenetrable. Yeah, and then at the end, it's got two capital letters and like three more letters, sure, so yeah, like yeah. nailed it. And then we're out into the floor. I imagine we're moving in military formation on system should go first. Honor system first, and then I'm almost using him as cover until I can yeah, get to adequate cover. Like, if you want to, like, rest the barrel of your gun or whatever, like, on my shoulder as we're moving. Doing, like, the Furiosa shoulder aim? Yeah, yeah, like that kind of thing. Mm. I feel like I'm doing that when we're going forwards, but once we get into the room, well, I'm then, swiveling yeah, to yeah. cover the other yeah. angles behind you. Yeah. You find yourselves in a floor that looks very different from what you've seen. It's a lot more metallic, a lot sleeker. You can smell ash on the air from fire. Like, it, it definitely smells like a fire burn floor. You begin moving forward. You can feel kind of a cool breeze, possibly from outside. There seems to be some various things that workers have left in and around here, but no sign of personal storage. Clearly, you weren't supposed to find this. This isn't an open space. Mm. The schematics have clearly been doctored to seem innocuous. As you move forward, Alan, you get a distinct sense of deja vu from the prison. Mm. This all feels very, very familiar to you. 
And finally, you come forward to a large, theoretically blank wall, but that has a massive blast dent coming outward in it. It seems like there's actually no rooms on this floor, and yet there's this wall with a giant dent in it. And as you sort of begin to examine it, all of a sudden, a figure drops from the ceiling, pins Declan to the floor, looks around at both of you, its giant donkey ears twitch, and it says... Who the fuck are you? So the figure is crouched down on top of you, Declan. You can see charred fabric. It smells horrible. And got kind of a blade in each hand. What do you do? Sword is drawn immediately. And I'm attacking. Yeah, our system doesn't know what this is, even though everyone who's listened to the podcast up to this point knows what this is. Sure, go ahead. Honor system attacks. So it's a 19 on my d20, and I think with my blade it's plus 6, so <laughs> 25 to hit. Okay, yep, you hit. Five damage. Your blade cleanly slices through one of the arms. Mm -hmm. Um, You see its arms start to fall, and then a donkey leg comes up and boots the arm back up. And severed part touches, and you can see it start to stitch back together. And it leaps at you. So he's going to take two attacks. One misses, but one's a crit. So you will take six points of damage. I'll use my one scene skill of negating a successful attack. Okay, cool. Me. So, so I'll um, carry that, I guess. Right? Yeah, he like lands on you and you just like fucking robot force push him off. Cool. The creature kind of flips back through the air, looks up at you. Its beard is all wild. Its eyes are fierce. Alan, what are you doing? I just yell, wait, stop, stop. I know this body. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds. But now we are selling some sick mugs. And it is so easy. All because we use Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. It'll help you turn browsers into buyers because it has the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, which means curious people are more likely to buy from you. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices, if people were outside of the U.S., were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot. So it stops and turns to you and its eyes narrow and it says, wait, you were there. You were there in the room. Yes. I. Who are you? Why do you have Quinny's body? Yeah, Quinny's, well, you know what I mean. I stand up quietly and train my SMG on this thing. Yeah, fair enough. It looks at you quizzically, uh, seems to think for a second and says, Quinny, yes, he was one of us at some point, was he not? One of, one of who? The body kind of gestures to its multitude of parts and says, us. Yes. 
I'm just going along with this because sure. I don't know. I'm going to calm link into Alan's head and say, you got about two minutes to sort this out. Uh, and then <laughs> I'm going to system is lanking around for, <laughs> yeah, to get ready for the yeah, next I'm attack. taking my rifle to go see what the fuck is showing up outside the building. Right. The body explains that it woke up in a burning room seemingly to its mind hours ago. And after some effort managed to realize it was sentient. And uh, now they are calling themselves Stitch. They seem to remember being referred to as, as that at some point. Can you roll me a talk check, please, without disadvantage? Seven. Very quickly, you're able to confirm that, yes, you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over the span of a couple of minutes, as Declan's going to see what's going on outside, uh, with Honor System standing by pretty vigilantly, you're able to fill it in on what was up and like you're filling in blanks for it. And it's kind of saying, yes, yes. I remember you. I remember seeing mm-hmm. you leave. They're gradually coming to an understanding. So I explain the whole body transfer thing. You explain that. And Stitch seems to sort of nod sagely as though this is one of the final pieces of the puzzle. Okay. And then they say to you, do do you want to see the lab yes, where we were that's, born? That's what we're here for. So Stitch offers to lead you to the lab. They turn to you on our system and say, we apologize for our actions. We were caught unaware and we have known nothing but pain since we awoke in this world. Apology accepted. Thank you. So Declan, you, do you immediately come back or are you citing things up? I think think what I'll do is toss the data slab to honor system and just be like, record everything. And if you see any sort of computer, plug this in and just copy everything you fucking can. I'll stay here because we sort of murdered some people on the security detail and there's more than two. So if the police get called, maybe I can slow down, let's say, the tactical response. Understood. And honor system goes to work on recording stuff. Cool. Declan, I'm going to say, as you get set up, you can see there's more traffic outside than there was. More traffic than when you were here previously as well. You aren't exactly certain what that means yet. But I think in terms of how your spidey sense works, it's a small deviation from what... It's a minor red flag. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Stitch on their donkey legs walks you kind of around the corner to the door that was clearly sealed by a number of different means that has been forced off by uh, regulators. And inside, there's a uh, completely torched lab that, Alan, you recognize mm-hmm. as, as Martha's lab. You can see all the destruction you remember. The fire burned pretty bright. And Stitch gestures to the chair and says, you know, this is where I was kept. I managed to sneak out when they blew the door. But um, that's that's kind of where they've been. I'm guessing no portal. You look to a wall, and there seems to be the superstructure of what would have been the portal. Honor system, can you please roll me a no check? Ten. Ten? You're not quite sure what kind of machine it is, but you recognize it as Ventus Tech. And we are in an antebellum lab. Yeah. What you know about the Ventus Corp is that their primary interest is in transportation. They're the prime supplier of grav cars. They've been working on sort of large-scale transportation concerns. Do I recognize it as a portal device as well? Alan can tell you what it is, so we can skip a step and Mm -hmm. just say she explains it was a portal device. But as far as you know, and as far as the public knows, teleportation technology does not exist yet. That device is Ventus Corporation technology. It does not belong here. What does that mean? It means it was either stolen or acquired through illegitimate means. And then you see Stitch drop to one knee and do the finger to head thing. And you actually hear like a multitude of voices muttering to each other. And then finally they say, oh, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then Stitch lets out a rather large sigh. And then they get to their feet. And you notice their posture is very different. It's suddenly very stately. And they say, perhaps I can help clear this up a bit. Uh, my name is Martha, and uh, this used to be my lab. And now I live, and she looks down at her body, and she's like, here. You were here before, Alan. Do you recognize Martha? 
we met just a few days ago. That's right. I thought you, you were one of, of Bobby's friends. I thought you were dead. I am. It oh. would seem this body that Bobby built for his friend using uh, bits of soul stone and gods can attract the souls of the dying. When I went down, I woke up in this. I watched my own body get pulled through and, and burn, but now I live here with these fine folks. And she kind of like high fives herself. So Martha... Which dimension are you from then? Oh, this one, dear. And she kind of gestures to the, the space around her. But you knew Bobbert as a kid. Well, yes, I, I, I designed him here. Oh. I'm going to storybook this a little bit just yeah. to speed things up, given that the character who would normally be asking these questions <laughs> is in a different dimension right now. <laughs> yeah. Also, with me in the other room, they're definitely both getting comments of like, we really need to move this fast, people. There's going to be a police <laughs> response and I don't want to die here. Yeah. So Martha explains that working under the head of Antebellum Corp, she was commissioned to create something called Project Messiah. Her house Antebellum became very concerned about the absence of gods in this world. And as a result, in the absence of gods, they decided to make one themselves and were in the process of trying to create the perfect messianic figure to help restore power to the world. However, things went a bit sour when uh, the other houses found out, particularly the board members of the conglomerata weren't too keen on the idea of any kind of new power structure existing. It's one thing to be the CEO of the world, but if there's suddenly a god on Earth, you're not really that important anymore. And as a result, they were forced to take extraordinary means in order to keep their operation going. However, to Martha's knowledge, things went south from there. Despite having minor amounts of success and, and theoretically being on the verge of a breakthrough, she was captured by a rival group and forced to work for them, creating clones of various inmates for their purposes. That said, she actually has never left her lab. She's had contact with people elsewhere, but during her stay at the prison, people from the other dimension would come through to visit her here, but she was sealed in this room. Honor System will say, Bourbon, please record the remainder of this conversation. Well, thank you, Honor System, I shall. And Honor System's going to go about actually collecting the data that we came here for. Martha, can you please direct me to the computer lab or server room? So she indicates that all of their records, including recordings of what happened in here, are kept in a ma major server bank three doors down. So you go down there as Alan and, and Martha are catching up. You find sort of a, a massive server bank and you jack into it and I think begin uploading. There's a tremendous amount of data on the idea of magic, on quantum energy, but more importantly, you find the genetic information you were looking for in terms of how mages are identified and more importantly, how you can mask their presence. So with this data, you think that if you were to pull off a successful raid on the, the stack, you'd be able to sufficiently mask the mages coming out of there. That said, given that you're also a heistman and you have interest in bringing down the houses, the ability to tamper with genetic makeup of people in order to get past the sort of advanced DNA scanners and stuff, pretty useful. So cool, okay. you have the download bar going right? Yeah, um, yeah. and you're, you're collecting a mass amount of data. Declan, can you roll me a notice check, please? Could we perhaps make it a shoot check because I'd be looking through my sniper rifle? Sure. <laughs> oh, jeez. Thank God, because I am terrible at notice. <laughs> <laughs> 13 ridiculous 13 with 2d6 and he didn't even roll two sixes you sure you don't want to roll a notice check there bud i mean 13 is still better than 10 you're starting to see what is being played off as very casual traffic is not casual traffic however these don't look like regulator vehicles but there's definitely a perimeter that's rapidly closing in around the building and you see a bunch of people in kind of civilian gear kind of getting closer and closer to the building. How long before they get to the building? Probably got about five minutes. 
before they're inside the building. All right, everybody, we got probably, I'm guessing, Typhus Private Military closing in on us. We got about five minutes before they're inside, so we have two minutes before we're getting the fuck out. Uh, I want to run to the opposite side of the building and see if we've got a full encirclement. You do. Well, fuck me. All right. Declan. What is our exit strategy? I need to pull up the building schematic. Is there a car park or any sort of underground exit that doesn't take us out on ground level? No, but you do notice on the schematic that at one point there was a landing pad on the roof. There might be vehicles up there. All right, we're going up. Nobody's going to see that one fucking coming. Uh, There's some sort of landing pad on the roof. So we got a bolt right now. You have exactly 60 seconds before we're in the elevator going upstairs. So let's go. I'm coming back to help. Martha? You coming with us? There's nothing for us here. So yes, we will accompany you. I'm going to turn things back over to them, though. They're a bit better at the punchy business. Stitch nods to you and gathers a few things. And just before you go, hands Alan a data pad that says, if you ever see Bobby again, give him this. It will explain everything. I don't know how we'll use that in our dimension. That's a problem for you to sort we'll out, see. dearie. <laughs> I can only give you so much backstory. The rest you'll have to sort on your own. Can I spend some stress? Yeah, sure. When the time is right, I would like, if you'll permit me, to activate the detonator for the car bomb I installed in the SUV that I hijacked. <laughs> yeah, I'll give that to you for five stress. That's all my stress gone. I'm happy. Great. The one other thing Stitch does before they go is run into a room that looks very Jurassic Park E and pull up a classic Jurassic Park DNA oh, okay. spinning magic, grabs a number of vials and quickly like just throws a bunch of them in a bag. Grabs a couple more things and comes and joins you. I dash in to help them. I've got one of the duffel bags because I imagine Honor System's got another one. Not knowing how useful the donkey person is, not entirely having heard that it's Martha, I'm just going to spend 30 seconds looking at whatever looks really expensive, like shit we could not afford. And I'm going to shove as much of that in the duffel bag as I can. So you get a bunch of data pads. You get like expensive science gear. You also grab some vials. A few of them look like you could weaponize them. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, I so want So there's those. definitely some things you, you think you could turn into bullets. At first, it's it's selective picking, and then it's just the old uh, sweep. Yes, you just exactly. like run your arm along a table into the bag. And you can watch Stitch kind of watch this with, with slight disappointment, because like it's a lot of expensive gear <laughs> that was very carefully stowed. But after successfully getting all that, you guys are ready to go. All of a sudden, your two subdermal implants and honor system on your sort of encoded channel You hear a voice saying, listen, we're the prodigals. We've come to help you. Please stay where you are. Declan? I don't say this to the calm, like, remember the last time we met the prodigals and then you almost got stabbed and then we got blown up? Fuck that. Uh, (laughs) Then we just go for the elevator to go up to the landing pad. So you book it up to the landing pad. And as you do so, you're still hearing this voice saying, look, we understand. We've talked to Fiddlesworth. We know what's going on. Please let us take you in. There's a horrible sci-fi remix of an elevator song. Laura, what's the elevator song? Green Days When I Come Around. <laughs> but a sci-fi remix? Yeah. Sci-fi. There's a lot more like Blade Runner style. Like, yeah. wah, 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 yeah. What's going yeah. on in the background? <laughs> the doors open onto the landing pad. Clearly, it hasn't been used in a long time. Everything's been exposed to the elements. Inside, there's a small, all four of you can fit on it. It's almost a rickshaw with gravs, but it's pretty busted up. It's almost like a golf cart. Like it's it's meant for just going between buildings, not really long distance. It's disused. There's a reason it was left behind. But looking around, there's probably enough stuff that you could attempt to fix it if you want. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Worst case scenario, the prodigals are here to try to kill us and so we got to drive away. Bright side scenario, prodigals are here, want to help. Maybe they'll just lug their way up to this floor. So I vote we try to fix the fucking cart and then disappear. Understood. Let's get to work. So who's trying to fix the cart and how? Not me. I was going to say, we'll leave <laughs> Alan and Bourbon Sherbert and Martha. To watch or, the I guess, uh, elevator? 
Yeah, yeah, you guys will be on elevator patrol. So cool. how many elevators are there, Tom? Up to this floor, two. There's also two sets of service stairs. So think of it almost like classic movie New York roof door. Hmm. Um, so like a small sort of access shed with two elevator banks and then flanking those doors to stairs on either side that lead back down into the complex. Okay. And then the landing pad itself is the majority of the roof. So I think quickly, I've locked down the one elevator that we've already got. Yep. I tell Stitch to go block the other doors. Alan, I stick behind some, <laughs> if there's like a heating vent or something the elevator that we can like jammer into cover and I give her an SMG to point at the door and then we both go to try to fix the bike. I turn to you with the detonator in my hand and I say, Declan, I'm about to activate a diversion. Work quickly. And I hit the Hit the button. So a block away, a middle-aged elf named Jim Carveson is in the process of filing a report with the regulators about his missing vehicle. And he's very pissed off because, you know, he had a very big day planned and there was much shopping to do. And hmm. he was going to consume so much today. But how was he supposed to consume if he does not have his automobile? The good news <laughs> is uh, the regulators have tracked it. They realize it's not too far away. They bring up camera footage of it. And he's like, oh, Finally, and then the car explodes. And with it, his dreams of being able to buy presents for his family today. He sighs, pulls out his tablet, and immediately starts scrolling <laughs> through new vehicles. Smash cut back to the building. So the car explodes. It's a couple blocks away, but you get the sense like it, it's a loud boom. Mm -hmm. It may not distract the people who are coming into the building, but it will cause attention to be drawn to mm -hmm. the area, which might fuck with them. Alan, what are you doing? I'm trying to figure out this submachine gun. Uh-oh. <laughs> because scary. Um, I don't think that you ever Bourbon Sherbert is going to give you a quick rundown over your subdermal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You tell her point and shoot and she doesn't get it. That should be terrible at Instagram. So Bourbon Sherbert gives you a quick rundown on like how to use it. That said, you can feel the tingle of magic in your hands and you're getting itchy. You're getting mm -hmm. itchy for some spell casting. Um, I don't think I'm going to be using this gun. <laughs> <laughs> Bourbon Sherbert hears you say that, looks at Stitch who's holding like two daggers made of jagged metal, looks back at you, looks back at Stitch and says, May I? May you? It would seem if you do not need your weapon after all, perhaps it would be better served by the donkey person. That makes sense. So Bourbon Sherbert flies the SMG over to Stitch, who seems to hold it, and you can almost see Stitch cycling through various bits of itself until mm. it finds someone who knows how to use the gun. And then someone nods and is like, hmm. It's Martha. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> the only person who knows how to use a gun. Yeah, the, rest, the only the rest person of them from here, yeah. yeah. So at this point, step one would be trying to figure out where the problems are. There might be just some disrepair I could do quickly. But if there's anything critical, then I'm hunting through other parts around. Yeah. So this is definitely going to be a MacGyvering job. But roll me a fix check, please. Yeah. I think Honor System's probably assisting me with this. Not in a way that he knows no, how I, to refill. I, I think it's that but... little thing of like one person is in the guts of the machine and asking for parts. Sure. And I'm just a gopher. I've also got five units of spare parts. So if any of those are useful. Yep. Fix for both of us. And I'm just assisting. Or? Yes, please. Okay. 13 again. 13, yep. And I have a total of 7. So a total of 14. Yeah, this vehicle is very simple. You reinforce it so that it won't wobble under the weight of four people slash a robot. But uh, this is the kind of thing that you've been boosting and taking apart since you were a kid, so it's an easy fix. And you think, based on that role, you've probably got enough up and go to get you two buildings away rather than one building away. But it will likely burn out after that, so you get kind of like one shot in any direction you want. You can hear the uh, elevators, like there's that sort of clanging coming from downstairs of people trying to sort the elevators. And over your comm links again, you hear, please, we mean you no harm. We just, we need to bring the mage to safety. 
And suddenly you can hear the classic of grapple guns being launched. It's a pretty tall building, so they can't reach all the way to the top, but you can hear them sort of They're beginning close. their ascent. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody on board, and then I whispered through my comm link to the guys, I'm like, we're coming to help you, is what every murderer ever has always said. So we'll climb on board. Looking out over the building, because I've already scanned from when mm-hmm. I was watching stuff, is there a grav car park? Is there somewhere where we could go to where we might be able to boost something else to go further? If you're making it one building from any direction, it would be office towers and kind of derelict buildings. Two buildings away, I'd say, yeah, you could probably make it to a car park. Nice. I want to go in the direct opposite way from the explosion. Yeah, I'll allow that. Then we're going to do that. I think as soon as you give it like the all clear, like it's ready to go, Honest straddles the bike and is ready to drive. Yeah, so we'll jump in. I'm I got my. On. I'm going to keep my SMG in hand for now because sniping from the back of a moving vehicle is not as effective as one might hope. <laughs> so Stitch will bring up the rear, and as the vehicle's taking off, donkey hop up onto the back with the SMG trained back. As you take off into the sky, you see people climbing the sides of the building. Some of them are using grapples. Some of them are using magnetic handholds. Let's see if they see you. One of them manages to see you. I'm going to say they're on the west side of the building. So now there's four people on west side that have a line of sight. The rest of the building still doesn't know where you're at. They're in the midst of climbing, so it's going to be hard to get a shot off. But one of them is going to try and fire a grapple at you. I hope he succeeds because that sounds awesome. He does. So good work. So basically one of them quick thinking is like, oh shit, fires a grapple gun and gets yanked off the side of the building. The rest of his compatriots just kind of have to watch because they they didn't think he's fast. Uh, Another one fired one. It did that sad coil out and then fall thing, uh, which is just... (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you fuck up in any Batman video game. (laughs) Exactly. So yes, you've got one guy hanging off the bottom. He starts strong arming his way up the rope. I look to honor system and I say, get us to the top of the car park and hit him into it. And then I will lean over the side and take a shot. Can you roll me a pilot check, please, on your system? Yeah. Did you have something else you want to do there, Tyler? I, I did want to talk to Declan, but I'll pilot this thing first because I, I should be driving. I should focus yeah, on yeah. driving. Pilot check is nine. You managed to keep it steady. Okay. Declan, he is one out of a much larger force. Now that we have separated him, we can interrogate him. He's climbing up here to fight us <laughs> in the sky. We have the high ground. All right, I'll just injure him. Uh, I switch from the SMG to the pistol and I still shoot at him. So go ahead and roll your attack there, Ryan. 20, not natural. Okay. Dirty 20. You'll hit. As you spray fire down the rope at this desperate man. Uh, This is just a laser pistol. I I don't want him to die, but he could. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) seven damage. Uh, He does. You fire down the rope. You're trying to like aim non-lethally, but instinct and such. But you're pretty nonchalant about it. (laughs) So how much are you really trying? The laser blast takes him in the chest and his body slumps and now it's just hanging off the rope. Oops. (laughs) Oops. <laughs> so on our system, you managed to pilot the cart to the top of the garage. What are you doing with the body? You're bringing it with you? You're leaving it? What's going on? I think we should investigate the body. Yeah, I think we'll bring that with us. So you reel the body up. Can you roll me an exert check, please, sir? No problem. Seven. You're able to pull the body up, toss it in the trunk of a car. We'll do our classic mid-range, you know, American-made, <laughs> kind of forgettable. We prefer tinted windows to hide the donkey yeah. person. I hijack a Ventus Prius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> You jack the Prius and off you go. Smash cut back to the police precinct. Jim has just bought a fantastic new Ventus Prius and he's very happy about it. Oh, uh, we from stole a, from a car from a used car lot <laughs> across town and he's, uh, he's excited to go pick it up so he gets on a bus. You fly by signs saying, lowest deals on the net and off you go. Given that you've made a cleanish getaway, I'm going to say that you can safely get back to your safe house and you can regroup there or you can go anywhere else. Safe house would make sense to me because we have a corpse we want to identify and a bunch of stuff to hack into. Yeah. I don't really want to like go to a hotel and be like, hi, can we bring the corpse up to the room? I'd like to open him up and see if he's, you know, memorable. Maybe he's a celebrity. We cannot afford a hotel. 
That's true. We do only have like a hundred credits. We, we could afford a real shitty motel. But seriously, I don't want to bring a corpse there. So I think the body doesn't have anything on it. That's a great question. Can we pull over for a second? We pull over in an alley and I get out and check the body in the truck for cash. As you quickly check the pockets, he's got a data pad. He's got one of those black cards. And around his neck, you find a sigil. Basically, he's got a medallion that seems to have five different almost elemental icons on it, similar to the ones you'd see in Magic. Cool. But uh, other than that, yeah, no house sigils. He's got like a mid-range, you know those stun guns from Minority Report? It's kind of like one of those, and that's it. Cool. So we'll take that stuff and go back in. And I'm like, okay, so we have money, but I still think we should go to the Sash House. <laughs> Unless we want to go somewhere else. Alan, you seem to be really attached to the idea of a hotel. Do you like love room service or five stars? What are you looking for? No, I'm just used to them. Let's go to the wherever's safest. The safe house is the safest. Perfect. We're going to take you back to our place. I'm sorry it's a bit messy. You know, we weren't intending guests. We were in the midst of a heist. But you know what? I feel like a donkey would feel right at home. We take offense at that. Why? You seem like a nice person who'd be respectful of other people's places. We are more than just a donkey. Okay. Although our donkey parts are pretty excited about this safe house. I don't really know how to have this conversation with you. Stitch. Uh, What's your species, Stitch, if I had to call you something other than your name? Stitch starts pointing out various parts of itself. It's like, well, these these were gnome abs. These are dwarven. Okay, do you know what? Why don't we make up a new name for you? Because you seem like you're something new. People say donkey and you don't like that. But I think if there's some donkey in there and there's a bunch of other stuff, what if we just call you a donker? We will take our species as a donker, but our name is Stitch. Stitch the donker. I appreciate it. I'm Declan the human, honor system the robot, and this is Alan uh, the magician. Half elf. And Bourbon Sherbert... The survivalist forever. Well, I'm glad we all know each other now. All right, let's get to the safe house. And by safe house, I just mean our house. That is safe. As much as anywhere when the bad guys have grapples. This is why I'm a survivalist, Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you guys managed to get to your safe house. I think it's probably like the equivalent of an office above a pizza parlor. It's our Ghostbusters house kind of thing. Yeah, kind of, but like much less impressive. It's like the Palfy Ghostbusters. You pull into your safe house. Are you bringing the body up with you, I assume? Yeah, we're going to bring everything up and then we got to go ditch the car. Cool. So you do that. Where are you going to ditch the car? We've done this before. I think I just drive it under a bridge and set it on fire and walk away. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, what was the name of that lady who our friend Frederick owed some money to? Tiffany Rathburn. If we could just choose somewhere that might be on her property or something that would just cause her a nice little hassle, <laughs> that'd be great. Smash got to Tiffany Rathburn counting credits because she honestly didn't expect that she was going to get paid out. And then the camera is positioned at her sipping tea, reading things, and just in soft focus of the background is the gates to her house. And there's just like a little winking fire in the distance, <laughs> getting closer and closer and closer and closer, like in Get Out. And then suddenly the flaming car smashes through the gates. Yeah, I just left a brick on the gas. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and then it crashes through her foyer. And she's still sipping her tea. And she's like, third time this week. I get back. And the first thing I say is like, Declan, message delivered. <laughs> Smash cut to our boy being arrested for vandalism because the car he bought crashed through her house. This man was known as Goldtooth until he lost his teeth yesterday from getting hit with a data slab. (laughs) As he gets busted, he's like, I didn't even get a chance to commit vandalism. Okay, so you have disposed of the car. You're back at the safe house. You've got a corpse. You've got a bunch of genetic data to go over. What I think probably makes sense from sort of an RP perspective is spending kind of a day going over the data you have. Alan can talk to Martha and kind of figure that shit out. You guys can test the genetic stuff while also looking into what the Ventus tech was doing there and kind of what your next steps are. 
Currently, you have the genetic data that Fiddlesworth said he could help use to mask mages, mask Alan's ability to use magic, as well as possibly help any wizards you save. However, you're uncertain about what his actual motives are, and now you've encountered both regulators and kind of unknown group claiming to be prodigals. You know that there is division within the prodigals in that Fiddlesworth believes that the planet is worth saving and it's worth bringing magic back to it, whereas most of the prodigals believe that Exodus is the only solution. So you've got that going. You know that Grayson is ramping up operations in a pretty large way and is rapidly becoming the largest house in the block. However, Ventus is an odd entry into the field. You also know that F F and S seems to be playing both sides. Yeah. Currently, you don't know much about Rathburn Industries. You don't know much about Amazon. And you still don't know too much about how Santa Bellum and the Unseen Hands, Inc. Given this operative's loadout, it suggests he was not trying to kill us. Well, there's sort of two possibilities there. To me, it suggests they wanted to be sure they didn't kill Alan. Because Alan is the only living mage on this earth. Whereas they very well might have disabled us, taken Alan, and shot us all in the head. Does this guy have, like, a pistol or anything? This specific guy is only armed with non-lethals. Well, I don't mean that he would do it, but what I mean is, if you're going to send in a military unit, you need everyone taken alive, and you don't care how many people die, you definitely only give them non-lethal options, otherwise people end up shooting people. Remember when I tried to take this guy alive, but I had a real gun? Yes, it did not go well. Exactly. That could very well happen otherwise. I don't know. If we look into it, we might be able to find some answers. Maybe if I talk to Tony about it, we could find out a little bit more about them. But first, let's do our sort of like technological autopsy. Agreed. Here is the data slab you asked me to fill with information from the servers. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to plan, and then we'll come back and talk about what's up. Our heroes work together through bonds of fellowship, tears, laughter, and hope, and developed a plan that they thought would be appropriate. When that journey was complete, they nominated Ryan to explain it to Tom. So, Tom, Alan's going to talk to Martha slash Stitch and try to piece together as much as she can about the intents of the bosses, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. who is involved there. Honor System and I... It's are- a lot to go through. It's probably more than a one-person job. Yeah, I mean, this is all going to be stuff we're all doing, but it's sort of like yeah. primary versus, I would say, the assists if we right, all right, get our... 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I will focus on pricing out the gear we get from the lab and trying to find ways to sell that so I can eventually buy some info from Tony the Chainsaw Linetti about the ongoing and current house wars with what we know, because maybe I could relay some of that, that might be worth credits, and then we can figure out maybe how Ventus, Rathburn, and Amazon fit into the equation so we can figure out who we're playing off against who. Yeah, and I'm going to sift through the information I downloaded. I know I kind of got an overview from you already, but I'd like to know how we can use it practically and immediately. And if a closer look at the information reveals any details. We also want to know if there's stuff we shouldn't give away because it's too dangerous or stuff we can give away because they'd want it, but it's not necessarily that threatening. Uh, Okay, let's pause for coffee and I will put that together. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons 2099 features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. The system we're playing is called Stars Without Number, and Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are Core Collapse and Sanctuary of the Sky Gods by Nathaniel Yaverne, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by 
by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Now I'm off to do future things before we return for the next episode of Dum Dums and Dragons 2099. An epilogue, written by Tom but recorded by Ryan because Tom is on vacation. Shen Vray had been a farmer a few days back. So had her parents been. So had their parents. None of them had been that good at farming, but it was all they knew. Now Shen knew something else. Now she knew war. The battle for Phandalin had been her first. Years of reaping and sowing had made her formidable with a hand scythe. While other townsfolk took up the weapons offered by the heroes of Phandalin, she brought her own, only taking a small buckler to keep her safe as she did her work. Turns out, war was just reaping of a different kind. Taking back her town had given her a sense of purpose she'd never felt before. There were better farmers in Phandalin, but few better fighters. So when the heroes of the Phandelver Mines asked for volunteers, Shen was first in line. And now she was in it, raiding a slaver camp, taking the fight to the unseen hand bastards who took her town. The soldiers were better trained and better equipped, of course, but they weren't prepared. Busy sending captives through some weird metallic portal. Magic. Real magic. The kind Shen had only heard of. The fury of the disgraced paladin, the heart of the dragonborn sorcerer, the havoc caused by the battle wagon and the little blue berserker, it was too much for the troopers. Even Uncle Jim Jim got in on the action. Apparently it wasn't his first fight either. And Shen held her own. She learned a lot, realized she had a long way to go before she could take these fighters on her own, but she put in the time. No one would threaten her home ever again. Like the rest of the victorious militia, she stalked the battlefield, rounding up survivors and prisoners. She saw the little blue one's fallen body, saw a terrifying woman screaming in rage over it, then a cold shadow passed over her. Somehow, she knew that shadow was smiling. Then, through the mist, a figure came stalking in. He was huge and hulking, soaked in blood and wearing a dented pot. His toilet seat hair framed a haggard face with an eye patch. He had a massive buzzing sword clutched in his hand. Shen raised an eyebrow. You one of us? The mysterious orc nodded. Shen looked for a commander, and finding none, Shen decided to step up. She extended her hand. Great. Welcome to the Resistance. What's your name? A stray bee escaped the hilt of the orc's blade. I'm Lil Pim Pim. I'm back to kick ass. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Were you accused of a murder enacted by supernatural forces beyond your control? Yeah. Are you seeking a multi-figure gold settlement for damages to your business? Yes. Are you a young entrepreneur seeking justice for the murder of a family member that would be here if you were better at your job? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Thomas Phelps. I am the attorney, along with my assistants, of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Belcher, and we want to help you get justice. Our expert legal services are available for a modest fee. But not too modest, I got a family to feed. As a bot, I don't eat, but I do have a hunger. A hunger for justice. And that hunger drives us to work for you, future client. From investigation to sentencing, we've got you covered for everything from public urination. Oh, yeah. To murder in varying degrees. Don't look at me. 
The attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher care about families. That's why they work quickly to help get this daddy off. I was blown away. My business was in trouble after an unfortunate case of property damage. But the attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher helped set things right with a hefty gold settlement. So come on down to the law offices of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher. Located in the old Biscayne Boys building. In Eastern Orgea. Just follow the podcast highway signs for Dungeons and Drimbus and take the season three exit. The attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbio, and Felcher are not responsible nor liable for any of the following that may be incurred while working on your case. Sudden death, loss of limbs, heartbreak, the use of magic to secure evidence, the wrath of an interdimensional being, urinary bladder infection, nausea, depression, the sudden desire to remove one's clothing, the illicit romance of a will-they-won't-they-workplace scenario, or complete and utter disregard for the natural laws of space and time. Join your favorite fantasy attorneys for their next case. Dungeons and Drimbus publishes every Friday wherever podcasts are found.